Real sports talk for real sports fans. Swing it a Slam dunk. Touchdown. Sports. It's Jimmy V and TC. Oh, yeah. The word you're looking for is wow. Here's Jim and Trent. Hour number two. We continue on here. Jimmy V and TC with you till six o'clock tonight. Jim, well, I mentioned it at the top with you. A golden homer. Now, now be honest here. Yes. A golden yes. homer is when you hit a walk-off grand slam with two strikes down to your final strike, down by three. I, before last night, I never heard the term. I don't know if it was made up last night. They just came up with it. Have you ever heard of a golden homer before? Never in my entire broadcasting career have <laughs> I ever said heard a broadcaster say, that's a golden homer. <laughs> well, there never. hasn't been a whole lot of instances of it. You have to go back no, to 19, 1996 for the last one, Chris. Hoynes from, uh, I think the Orioles, is the one that did it. Alan Trammell also had one in 88. Not something we see very often. We welcome in right now Mike Bates from SB Nation. Mike, uh, we're going to get into a lot today, but start. Had you ever heard of a Golden Homer before last night? <laughs> no, I hadn't. Uh, and, you know, I, I, as much as, much as the, the actual act, like the uh, David Bodie's Homer is was fantastic. It's such a dumb name, right? Yes, <laughs> and, and and you know, I, I I it happens so rarely. I don't know why we need to come up with a name for this. Uh, let's just enjoy the fact that this is an incredibly rare and wonderful moment, and and may well be the best moment of this guy's career. Uh, let's let's just enjoy that and and stop classifying it. Um, it's it's just a remarkable thing that we all got to enjoy last night. Well, and, and you're a guy that knows baseball history incredibly well. I mentioned the uh, two previous instances of seeing this uh, very very rare circumstance happen: a walk off with two strikes, a walk off grand slam down by three. And you have a podcast that that goes back in history. One of my uh, favorite episodes of your podcast was. One of the first ones I believe you had talking, uh, taking a look back at one of the Twins championship seasons. But uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of baseball, let our listeners know a little bit about your podcast, Looking Back at Baseball History. Yeah, so this is a podcast called This Week in Baseball History. And uh, every week, uh, my co-host and I, uh, Bill Parker, we break down uh, one anniversary that's happening uh, in the week that uh, it, during the, the, the current week. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, for instance, J.R. Richard, uh, the fantastic wow. Astros pitcher at the end of the 70s in 1980, uh, the, the most dominant pitcher in the game, who all of a sudden started to, to get that tired arm, that dead arm, and complained about it, uh, and no one believed him uh, until he suffered a stroke on the field, uh, and, and it ended his career. Uh, so, you know, we, we take those moments and we, we investigate them. We talk about what happened, but also what those moments mean and what we can learn from them today. Uh, and it's also just a, a great opportunity to talk about old ball players that nobody mentions anymore. Okay, help me out here because I know you said the Astros. At that time, they were a National League team. Did he also right. wear, if you can remember, did he also wear a Colt 45s jersey as well? Uh, no, he did not. Uh, he okay. was uh, drafted in the late 60s, and uh, he spent a long time coming up through their minor league system and, and then getting established uh, in the majors. But by about 1980, he was a 30-year-old, and he was throwing 100 miles an hour. Uh, and even as he was uh, suffering from this blood clot in his pitching shoulder, 
was able to go out into the All-Star game and throw 100 miles an hour past uh, American League hitters, record a couple strikeouts. Uh, he started the game and went two innings, uh, and then uh, less than a month later, he, he collapsed on the field. This week in baseball history, you can find it all over the place, Stitcher, iTunes, and uh, everywhere else you get your podcasts. A very good listen each and every week with Mike Bates, and he joins us here today. Well, from a look back, let's take a look forward here, that walk-off victory for the Cubs. You know, I mentioned this at the top a little bit earlier, kind of a, a microcosm of the national season. The Cubs get the win, they take two out of three, but this series it really felt like the Nationals should have taken all three games Yet they walk away and the Cubs get two out of three. Yeah, and the Nationals really kind of did this to themselves with their bullpen uh, woes recently. They they banished Brandon Kinsler and, and probably could have used him this weekend. And, uh, instead, he's, he's suiting up <laughs> for, for the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the... Nothing has gone uh, the Nationals' way this year, and, and whether that's a, uh, a failure of, of leadership uh, or of uh, just kind of losing the clubhouse by, by rookie manager uh, Dave Martinez, uh, or, or whether you know this is just this is just a, an aging team at the end of its window. Um, you know that's 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 really unfortunate and kind of went the opposite way that, that all of us were thinking this preseason. Uh, but the Cubs keep rolling along, man. They are, they are a strong club. They are still deep. And, uh, they, especially with, you know, somebody like Bodie, who's only getting regular playing time because, uh, Bryant is on the DL. Uh, they're just loaded for bear for October. Uh, it's amazing, uh, what is taking place right now. And, it's interesting because in the National League, that's where your best races are. Only in the American right. League AL uh, West, uh, where the Astros now are two and a half in front of the A's and the Mariners are four back, that's the only race that's compelling where you take a look at the National I mean, it's got compelling races in every division. There are so many teams that are still in it. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, there's also the wild cards to think about too. And and several clubs are within uh, five games of that wild card in the National League, that second wild card spot. Um, it's it's going to come down to the wire, and and it's one of those reasons, one of the reasons why I I love this second wild card format uh, so much uh, because it does keep uh, the season really interesting for a lot more fan bases down to the wire fans have a lot of reason to tune in and come out to the ballpark uh and uh and know that the baseball that they're watching matters you know speaking of those races I, i've already heard the yankee fans that are moaning that they could win 100 games and they have to play a one game playoff just to get in hey you know All exactly and you know the reason <laughs> for this one of the reasons is what the yankees did at the end of the regular season oh a few years back they basically punted the last weekend of the year so they could be a wild card team and get our Minnesota Twins in the opening round, Mike. They did this to themselves. If they wouldn't have done that, maybe they wouldn't have to worry about this stupid one game thing. Well, absolutely. If you don't want to play the wild card game, go out and win the division. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the, Red, the Red Sox are, are you know, just a, a juggernaut right now. And, and so, you know, it's not super realistic to just say, hey, go out and win uh, 105 games or whatever. But, 
I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to. And if you don't win the division, I do think that you, there needs to be some kind of uh, disadvantage as, to a team, especially because teams are playing unbalanced schedules. So, you know, the Yankees get the Orioles and they get the um, get the Rays and they get the Blue Jays this year. I mean, and sure, the, the Twins and Cleveland, they get uh, the White Sox and the, the Tigers and the, well, and the Twins this year. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's uh, it's ultimately. I think you, you asking a team to win the division and then win, you know, one game. Uh, it adds a lot of drama uh, to these races and, and to the the postseason that I'm I'm very comfortable with. Also, if anything the Yankees the, fans yeah. are angry about makes me happy. Same thing. Same here. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> if you had to pick a game on the schedule tonight. Trent and I have already made our selection. Uh, it is the West Coast matchup, Dodgers-Giants, Bumgardner-Kershaw. Is that the oh. single game that you would be looking forward to tonight, kid? Oh, absolutely. Those are two number one guys, uh, and they're, they're, you know, they face each other so often that it, it's really uh, it's almost like some of those old pitching matchup, matchups from the – from the 60s or the 50s where teams were facing one another more often and and uh, and pitchers were just used to one another. So, you know, Koufax versus Marischal or something like that. Uh, yeah. I would, I, I'm definitely going to be tuning into that game tonight. And, and, and you know, the, the Giants are still kind of on the periphery of this playoff mm-hmm. uh, picture. They're, they're almost out. But, uh, and the, the Dodgers are, are <laughs> you know, they're in a fight now, uh, which is, Pretty impressive uh, with the Diamondbacks and the Rockies uh, for that division lead. I do think the Dodgers are, are going to eventually pull it out, but um, it's exciting to to see this come down to the wire. And, and uh, yeah, how can you how can you ask for a better pitching matchup uh, than Kershaw versus Bumgarner? Speaking of those Dodgers, Mike uh, Brian Dozier was traded away from the Twins out there. Had a homer in his first game. Uh, his appearance for the first time when he showed up in the dugout after the trade really a cool moment help me out here as a fan of a team like you that has no chance in 2018 it's okay to be a brian dozier fan and root for the dodgers right oh absolutely it is uh and it's okay to you know if you're a fernando rodney fan i guess uh you can root for the a's and, <laughs> yeah. and, and if you're and if you're a ryan presley fan you can root for the astros i mean this is just how baseball operates uh, and it has since you know the 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 creation of free agency in the seventies. These, these trading deadline moves are so important, and it's okay to to you know once your team is out of it to uh, look elsewhere uh, and find other reasons mm-hmm. to to root for clubs. Um, and and Brian Dozier was a, a fantastic twin for a long time. Uh, I'm glad he's going to get an opportunity, presumably to play in October again. Uh, and that he's got a, a really good shot at winning a ring this season. All right. Here's the uh, $50 million question. Right now in the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles, still with lots of games to play, are 49 and a half games out of first place. 49 and a half. They most likely <laughs> will finish over 50 in your recent memory. Can you remember a team finishing more than 50 games back in a division? 
Oh, sure, but you got to define recent history. I mean, you know, the, the Tigers had a couple of real awful teams um, in the, the last decade uh, with Alan Trammell at the head. Uh, they lost something like 106 or 110 games. Uh, you know, I, this, this just happens every now and again. There's, a, there's an absolute juggernaut, like I said, in the Red Sox, and, mm-hmm. and the Orioles are just the doormats for everybody. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, the, the Orioles are going to wind up with either the, the top pick or the, the second pick in the, in the amateur draft, and this is going to be cyclical. And, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees have these structural advantages in place based on where they play in their markets. But the Orioles are going to develop uh, good players again in the future and, and probably uh, with the help of a new owner eventually. Uh, and uh, it, it, like the Tigers did when they rebounded uh, under, uh, under Jim Leland, uh, I, I, you know, eventually the Orioles will, all, will come back. And, and this, isn't, this isn't that out of place or out of character. Final minute here with you, Mike. Uh, we'll let you go on this. The Cardinal fans, uh, I get a hard time from my Cardinal buddies from time to time that we don't talk enough about them. They're back in it, two and a half back of the wild card. Any reason to believe that the Cardinals won their string of uh, missing the playoffs after the last couple of seasons? Well, first of all, what a shock. The Cardinals fans are complaining that nobody's talking enough yeah, about yeah, them. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy for their success i don't think it's going to keep up uh they're nine and two since the start of august uh which is fantastic and they're 16 and nine under their new manager um who uh you know is i mean that's fantastic you can't ask for more than that but at the same time they're going to come back down to earth they've got to pass three teams in order to win a wild card or a division or a division uh they are (laughs) they're losing carlos martinez and and Michael Walker to injuries at this point, and uh, you know I don't, I don't see that they've got the horses to stay in it. Um, but uh, but best of luck to them, and uh, if if they do make the postseason, I'm sure the Cardinals fans will be happy to let us know it. Mike will break down our Minnesota Twins next time, and uh, <laughs> oh boy, it's a, it's a lot of to get into. We're out of time for today. Thank you so much for your time today, Mike. Thanks, guys. Take care. Mike Bates joining us again this week in baseball history. A great podcast with a look back at at some great moments week to week. Really a lot of fun and enjoy that one. If you're a baseball fan, go out and check that out. We're due for a timeout when we come back on the other side. We got more coming your way. We'll get back into the football, college football. We go out to the left coast and our buddy Jay Christensen is going to stop by. little college football talk coming up next here on Jimmy B and TC. You found your home for real sports talk for real sports fans. 1700 KBGG. Summer is here, and when the storms hit and your roof leaks, it's time to call Wolf Construction. From a complete re-roof to just fixing that leaky roof. The roofing staff has experience working with many different roof systems with Wolf Construction and a knowledge of how the roof system works best for your home. Wolf Construction will do their best to honor you with timely communication, a job well done, and a price that's fair. Wolf Construction Roofing, 515-225-8866 or online wolfconstruction.net
It'll be hot and hazy again today with a high reaching 91 degrees. Clouds will start to roll in with a low near 69 overnight, and we will start to see rain chances increase by Tuesday. I'm Local 5 meteorologist Brandon Lawrence. Sponsored by Dell. Dell Small Business Technology Advisors know there's nothing small about your business. They provide one-on-one partnership and reliable Dell PCs with Intel Core processors. Call 877-BY-DELL. Hey golfers, Golf Headquarters 2900 University Clock Tower Square, West Des Moines, is having its annual August $500,000 liquidation sale. Golf Headquarters needs room for the new fall merchandise. Title is Pro V1 Reloads, 1888 a dozen. Cobra Max T Driver, $199.99. Odyssey Pro Putter on Special for $99.99. Golf Headquarters Golf Clothing all on sale 20 to 60% off. Golf bags starting at $69.99. Callaway X Irons now $398. Golf Headquarters August blowout starts now in stock only. But Joy Superlight Golf Shoe on closeout for $58. Callaway Heavenwood $139.99. Taylor Made Golf Balls only $14.99 a dozen. Don't forget that Golf Headquarters does launch monitor club fitting and it's free with purchase. Check out their five star Google fitting reviews. Golf Headquarters 2900 University Clock Tower Square has a million dollar August blowout starts now in stock only. Come early and get the best selection of closeout merchandise. Golf Headquarters August blowout starts now. Call 255-4433 for a fitting time. Stretchy jeans, skinny jeans. The stretchier the better. Shop our lowest prices of the season on select Levi's at JCPenney. Denim for days. Or save up to 50% off select styles across the store. Take an extra 20% off select items store-wide with your JCPenney credit card and coupon. JCPenney. Style and value for all. Offers valid through age 15. Levi's lowest prices of the season refers to 88293. Levi's excluded from coupons and offers. Credit offer subject to credit approval. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details. Can I sleep in these jeans? Alright, welcome back. Jimmy B and TC rolls on, taking you up until 6 o'clock here tonight on your drive home and it's time to turn our attention back over to some college football. We've talked a lot of Iowa. We've talked a lot of Iowa State. Time to take a look at the national scene with one of our favorite people throughout the years, Jay Christensen. The WizOfOdds.com is the site. Jay talking college football with us here today. And then Iowan bringing that national perspective. What's happening, Jay? I'm just trying to stay cool, as I'm sure you guys are. I'm out here in Los Angeles right now, so... Uh... It's, it's steamy all over. I guess we're sending you our smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are, and, and we're, we'll, we'll accept that. Get that, that smog out of the air there in L.A. Well, let's start right there and start with the Pac-12 with you. A, a conference as a whole that I don't want to say is teetering on the brink, but they've had the issues with coverage as it pertains to the Pac-12 network. They're not generating the same kind of revenue as the other conferences and, and not close to what the SEC and Big Ten is. What's the scuttlebutt out west about the conference as a whole? Not on the football field, though. Last year, the bowl games uh, certainly didn't help out. But, but just the college, uh, the camp conference as a whole, as people look at it. I, I think it's in you know, a little bit of flux right now. But um, you know, they, they, they've kind of blundered this Pac-12 net, network. It's a good product. And uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, high high quality product they have. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been kind of a rough couple of years for them. But things go in cycles, and, and you know, I would imagine that um, in a year or two, I mean, they've made some high profile hires. Uh, Chip Kelly, obviously, being at the top of the list for UCLA, and uh, UCLA always has talent. So I would imagine uh, it's like anything else that they they will. Uh, you know they will bounce back and 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 
again, be a player, it's just going to take some time. Jay, I'm real curious then, because there's so much talk about the Washington Huskies and you being on the West Coast, stationed in Los Angeles, everybody there, of course, is what you just talked about, pumped about Chip Kelly, UCLA, and, of course, UCLA, I mean uh, USC. But it seems to me the Huskies with Chris Peterson and Browning as the quarterback and all those studs that have returned – are they, at least in your estimation, the dominant team right now on the West Coast? Well, I think this this season, um, I think the team you have to look at is Stanford. Um, got a lot of Stanford's the uh, punch in the face type of team in the in the conference. The thing that makes the Pac-12 unique is you get a team like Stanford that wants to basically run the ball down your throat. And then uh, you get a team like Washington State that wants to throw the ball 70 times a game. So you see a lot of different styles of play in the Pac-12. Uh, Washington, obviously, as a quality coach and, 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 and they're back on the national radar, uh, you know, they're going to be in it. Um, it. It's, you know, it's an interesting conference. Um, you know, they've had a lot of uh, maneuvers in the offseason coaching-wise and and it's going to probably take a couple of years for. I think it's going to kind of be a little top heavy, heavy with Stanford and 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 Washington. USC is going to be starting a freshman at quarterback, eighteen year old, um, uh, exceptional talent. But he's a freshman, uh, so it's will probably take him, you know, six games to get up to speed. Um, you know, you know Chip Kelly from the past. He's all about speed. Um, he has some in the program, but probably not what he actually desires uh, overall. So, again, this is probably going to take a couple of years to get this thing rolling. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting league from that standpoint. There's, I think there's a lot of young talent, that, that, but some more established programs right now, which are going to be Stanford and Washington, and then probably uh, USC's always got players uh you know they're they're going to be they're going to be at the top of the list but uh you know stanford's problem's been you know quarterbacking as much as anything uh um they've kind of struggled to find a, a you know a, a solid quarterback but um if, if they can come up with an answer there i think they're the team to beat kj costello had a nice second half of the year last year for the cardinal what other team in the pac-12 i want to get your thoughts on is oregon and after we saw them ascend to the heights, playing for national championships. An incredible program. The jerseys got a lot of the talk early on, but it turned into a good football program. Went through a down period after Helfrich left 4-8 in his final season. Then one year of Willie Taggart before he moved on to Florida State. Mario Cristobal takes over the program there. Oregon, do they have an opportunity? Maybe not this year, though Justin Herbert's going to be very good as long as he's healthy all season long. But do they have a chance over the next couple of seasons to ascend back to what we saw under the previous regimes? That's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, they've got obviously got facilities, uh, and they're going to get some players up there. Um, but they were at an elite level um, for quite a few years there, and, and that's going to be tough to get back up there. But um, they'll be pretty pesky at home. They always are. Um a tough team to, to beat uh, up in Eugene, but um, I, you know, I think they'll probably take a few lumps on the road. It's 
I, I again, I think that's a situation they're going to have to kind of rebuild a little bit up there, and 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 uh, they probably have one good recruiting class in right now, but they're going to have to get you know a couple of couple of years under their belt uh, to, to to get established again, and you know it, it's like anything else. I mean, if, if if the breaks go your way, the schedule's favorable. Um, who knows? But to to maintain that level that that they had for years uh, is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, they were an elite program. And, you know, a lot of that's Chip Kelly uh, recruited, uh, you know, very well. And, and uh, Helfrin obviously benefited from that and, you know, wasn't wasn't keeping it stocked the way it was when he inherited it. So, um, again, they're, you know, they're kind of in a, a little bit of a rebuilding mode up there. They'll be decent, but I don't think they'll be exceptional now. Uh, talking college football with our friend and good buddy, uh, Jay Christensen. Look, I'm really uh, curious, Jay. They, they say that they're going to get to the end of the Ohio State so-called investigation by the nearly the end of this week, first part of next. Does this really have any real impact on the on the guys that are going to play football on the team itself? Or is it maybe like they use it as a rallying cry if indeed Urban Meyer is not there? Well, that's a big question, but frankly, I think Urban's going to be there. I think they're just kind of kicking the can down the road on this, and uh, he did not come off well at the Big Ten media days. Uh, uh, that was the way he lied, let's just be frank about it. Um, just uh, uh, really, uh, and, and then also at Ohio State, you've got this wrestling uh, situation um, that dates back a while. So they've got some issues at Ohio State. Um, I, I mean, Urban, I think he's going to stay, though. I think they're just trying to figure out a way they'll come out with some type of discipline or whatever, and they'll keep him, and it'll kind of be a black eye for the university. But, um, you know, I, I don't expect... I, I think if they were going to act, they would have acted by now, and I just don't see anything happening as far as how this is going to impact the team. Well, uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, just uh, sometimes this can be a rallying cry, like you said, and, and uh, a rallying call, and, and other times it can be, uh, you know, devastating, and, and, and uh, you know, the wheels can come off on the thing. So, it's going to be difficult to say, but I mean, obviously, it's Ohio State. They got players. They're going to be very good. Um, will they be elite? I don't know. We'll, we'll just going to have to wait and see on that. The Big Ten East is an absolute bear on top of it. Michigan with the defense that they have, and now they believe a quarterback in Shea Patterson. You got Penn State, though, they lose a lot defensively. They got the ringleader there, Trace McSorley, back in a slew of highly recruited uh, running backs to take over for Saquon Barkley. Michigan returned 17 starters. Uh, Michigan State, they returned 19 starters from a year ago. Ohio State, even without this, I, I think it was going to be difficult for them to run through 11-1 or 12-0. and Now you couple that with the Big Ten East. The best division in football, fair to say? If it's not, it's right up there, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, are touting Michigan State. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I kind of think that situation, Dan, D'Antonio kind of had his pick of the litter as far as players up there while Michigan was kind of floundering for a few years. And 
you know, that's come to an end with Harbaugh coming in, obviously. So, you know, those guys might just kind of be splitting up the talent a, a little more than they had in the past. So we'll see. I mean, you know, Harbaugh is interesting because he's obviously very well compensated and, um, um, the Michigan fans are expecting just huge things out of him. And I think he's I, I've been a little bit of a disappointment up to this, this point. Um, you know, he's had some quarterbacking issues up there and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Penn State is is obviously reloading and not rebuilding. Uh, but Barkley, man, oh man, I I was watching, uh, uh, flipping around the other day, and I saw the Iowa Penn State game from last year nope. was being rebroadcast. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I saw that guy play USC in the Rose Bowl. They, they were buried at the end of the first quarter, and then they just started getting the ball to Barkley. And, I, and that kid, I mean, that's somebody you just don't replace. Um, and I, frankly, I'm shocked he didn't go number one in the draft. But hey, that's what those guys get paid big money, you know, figure this stuff out. So I would have taken him. I, I see him in eight. That guy was amazing. Well, against Iowa, he ran for like 300 yards. It was unbelievable performance. But look, he's going to have a sensational pro career. Uh, I watched the first preseason, first quarter of the Jets in his first carry. He ripped off uh, like 38 yards on, on a run like it was absolutely nothing. So I agree. They're going to have a very difficult time uh, replacing that sort of offense at Penn State. Um, in your estimation, Jay, and you follow college football as closely as you do, is it Alabama, Clemson, and then everybody else after that? It certainly looks that way. I mean, I, I definitely think you can, you, you know, put Alabama in there. I mean, uh, that thing's just, there's no program like it right now, and I'll be honest. I'm I'm sick and tired of it. <laughs> yep. I mean, I I would like to see. I, it's it's a good Saturday anytime Alabama loses, and probably a couple of Alabama fans out there listening. But you just want somebody else to get you know get a chance at it once in a while. Um, that's those guys are those guys are the team to beat year in year out. Um, you know, I just don't see that thing uh, slipping. Uh, this year, um, you know, Georgia is, is highly thought of, um, you know, could elbow their way in. Um, you know, obviously Clemson's had it rolling for a few years now and, and lost some players, but was still, uh, you know, at a very, very high level. So you know, those are kind of the teams that you're looking at. Um, I, I would think, uh, you know, People are saying maybe Wisconsin can sneak in there. They've got a very favorable schedule, and and perhaps that would be the case. But uh, I don't know. I just I just don't see them being on the level of of the three previous uh, the teams I just mentioned. You know, and with Wisconsin and really everybody after that top group, it's not not just about getting there, but then winning the two games you have to to win the national championship. First, winning your conference title game, then two more on top of it. Just uh, is this a bad thing for college football that we're trending in a direction where going into the year, not to get to the playoff, you can name eight, ten, twelve teams. I think that have a realistic shot, but going a step further and winning the whole thing, 
when we have two, three teams, and, and that's about it. I see that as bad for college football. How about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, repetition, that, you know, just every year it's the same, same storyline. And, uh, uh, you know, usually with Nick Saban walking off with the hardware. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to see some new teams in there. It sparks some interest and, and brings some other people into the conversation. But, but uh, yeah, right now, I mean, those, those, those are the the kingpins of, of the of the sport, and uh, I, I just don't see it ending. Uh, um, frankly, this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after, but right now, no, I, I don't see uh, any changes in that. It's going to have to, you know, take some significant injuries. And I think with a team like Alabama, they lose a front line guy. They they got somebody else just as good to plug in there. So they've got. Not only exceptional frontline players, their backup is uh, is usually one and one A. So uh, that's tough. That's really tough to to, to stop that. Uh, Jay, when you take a look, then who's going to get to the final four in NCAA college football championship playoffs? You pencil in Alabama, Clemson, and. Is it a Big Ten team then that is kind of like an automatic Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, somebody like that? Or do you find somebody in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 to take one of those spots? Well, I wish they'd just go to 18 so, so I agree. you could be done with this and, and, and not have to listen to this belly aching at the end of the year. Um I mean, uh, let's be honest. I mean, the the the, the SEC is 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 very top heavy uh, with Alabama and and Georgia. Um, you know, the ACC is yeah, uh, it's got it's got some softies in there. Um, and and the fact of the, the what really really grates me is the second to the last week of the season is these SEC schedules. <laughs> My Lord, where did they come up with these opponents? You know, they're 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 playing one double A teams, and you know, I thought that was supposed to penalize you at some point. It's always easier to lose a game early in the year and then you know build your resume back up. But man, they've perfected this art of scheduling down there like like no other conference. So I wouldn't be surprised to see two SEC teams in, and 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 then Clemson, and then you know you got to pick up. You got to pick a team from the, the other conferences, and and uh, you know maybe a team like Stanford, maybe a team like Wisconsin. I don't know, but um, that's going to be very difficult to determine. Uh, um, you know who that fourth team might be. Uh, certainly at this point in the season. Jay, always great catching up with you. Before we let you go, you're an Iowan uh, by birth, a, a guy that knows the state very well, and you got something going on back in your old haunts up there, up in Fort Dodge. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, I've um, been doing a lot of photography uh, for several years now. I actually have a rock and roll exhibit. It's called This One Goes to Eleven. It's at the Blandon Memorial Art Gallery in Fort Dodge. Uh, arguably the oldest gallery in the state of Iowa. It runs till September 29th. Um, we had a reception here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, went very well. Uh, if you're in the area, 
Uh, galleries closed Sunday and Monday, but if you're you're there Tuesday through Saturday, you happen to be driving through, stop on in, check it out. I'd, I'd really appreciate it. And, and uh, something a little different, um, but I've been hanging out at the clubs here a little bit and, uh, and having, I, it was a lot of fun putting this thing together, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Jay, it's always good, pal, when we catch up with you. You have a great day, man. It's always fun talking football with you. Nice being with you guys again. Have a good after, uh, rest of the day, and, and we'll talk to you down the road. You bet. That's Jake Christensen Jake. checking in with us there. Jimmy B., uh, one of our favorites throughout the years to talk football yeah. with. And, and uh, yeah, cool. He, he does not just college football, but also a lot of a rock stuff and a cool exhibit. No, uh, the signal points north, so people up there in the Fort Dodge area, if you're heading up there, go check that out over at Bland. Very cool. And a big thank you to Jay for talking football with us today, Jim. Always good, man. It's always good when he comes on the show. We should just try to see if we can corral him. I know he's busy and he's out west, but we should just try to corral him like once a week and just make a Jay Christensen segment someplace. Uh, I, I'm sure that he's too busy and won't be able to do it, but it would it would be a, it. Yeah, I'm thinking about you and I, Trent. It would be great for us and the listeners. Yeah, there's no doubt, no doubt about yeah. it. Well, we are due for a break. We're going to come back on the other side and put a cap on things here until 6 o'clock tonight, Jimmy B and TC. Back with you one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Jim, tonight, uh, well, the world of sports after an incredible sports weekend gets a little yes. lighter this evening. This is, this is a night to <laughs> maybe catch up on something, maybe hand the remote off to the, the lady in your life, uh, do things a little bit differently because the night in baseball certainly isn't great. Uh, no, it, the Washington-St. Louis game, I have some interest in that, particularly after what happened last night with the walk-off grand slam by the Cubs, and that knocked out Washington in that game. They were leading 3 nothing, And playing in St. Louis, look, the cards are still trying to hang around uh, in the NL Central, so I'll probably... I'll probably peek in on on that game a little bit. Seattle, Oakland, Trent on mm -hmm. the West Coast. I, I have interest in that for the late night game, and I'll also take a look at San Francisco and the LA Dodgers. It's the best uh, West Coast rivalry in Major League Baseball. Just like Cubs cards, just like Red Sox, Yankees in the East. It's the, it has the same sort of feeling on the west coast but i'll probably those if if i'm going to be locked and loaded on watching baseball tonight those are probably the uh, three games that i will probably sample well the mets are terrible after the great start they had the yes. first couple of weeks of the season but a good pitching matchup at the very least with degrom against severino there so i'll probably start my evening with that one coming up here in just a few minutes and uh jim speaking of pitching matchups you mentioned giants dodgers mm -hmm. Bumgarner against Kershaw. Sign me up for yes. that tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm all dialed in uh, for that. It doesn't get much better when you got those lefties going against each other. And look, the Giants are, you know, they're trying to hang in. Um, you know, they're like a game below 500. Uh, the Dodgers are still right there with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Colorado Rockies are still right there in the West as well. Uh, and the Giants are a few games further back. But they're attempting to try to hang in. But look, it is the pitching matchup. That is star-studded when you get Bumgarner and Kershaw. And you mentioned the Cardinals don't look now, but they're just yeah. two and a half back of a wild card yeah. berth. 
Jimmy B, this team, uh, well, they won't die. And they're looking at if they don't make the playoffs this year, it'll be the first time in uh, this millennium that they have, they've missed the playoffs in three consecutive seasons. Not over yet, so we'll be keeping an eye certainly on that one this evening. Anything else, Jimmy B? Are you getting? We got preseason games coming up later on in the week. We got Hard right. Knocks Week Two coming up tomorrow. Uh, we put a cap on really the golf season, though. There'll be other things that are going on. Just doesn't draw the attention. Ryder Cup coming up this year. What in, in France? Fun. France this year? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the Coneheads. We come from France. Um, I've, every time somebody says France, I always go to the Coneheads. We come from France. Jim, uh, you, you absolutely... I can't help it. Those 40-year-old references, you're, you're very good at. I, I, love the, I love the Conehead movie. It still cracks me up. So here's the thing. The, the, the story will be with the run that Tiger had yesterday in the final round of the PGA. Didn't even hit a fairway, Trent, until like about hole number 11 or 12. On the back side. Mm-hmm. He was 0 for 7 on the front side, and he still shoots 64. Do you put him on, on the Ryder Cup team? I mean, we, 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 know, we know what has happened. He didn't play well at the Bridgestone, but, I mean, he looked like the man again. He still has his issues off the tee, but if you're the Ryder Cup captain, is he a team pick now for you with what you just saw? I think it's a lot, Jim. I, I don't see any way okay. that you can leave him off this team, not only for what he's done in the past and the way that he's played in the last two majors, but the experience and bringing those young guns along. You know, bringing Brooks Koepka and, and Webb Simpson and Justin Thomas yeah. and, and on and on and on, that young group. How cool it would be for those guys to play with it, but bringing that experience and understanding that the Ryder Cup is different than anything that you deal with in the world of golf. It is so completely different than just a normal tournament. When you're you're by yourself, it's you and your caddy, and that is it yeah. out there. The Ryder Cup is completely different, and you always have the captain. You always have the guys with the experience, but bringing Tiger along, I think it's a no-doubter, Jimmy B. Speaking of uh, golf also, did you see the odds are out for the Masters already? Uh, did I see that Tiger is like, is was it twenty to one, ten to one? Did I did I see that correctly, Trent? You are the master of degeneration, so I will yield to you because I know that you already know what those odds are. He is the uh, tied for the second betting favorite. He is twelve to one right now. Wow. Dustin wow. Johnson, Justin Thomas, also uh, both twelve to one. The favorite right now, Jordan Spieth. He's at ten to one. You got Rory and Kepka at fourteen to one. Uh, both those guys, respectively, and then you go from there. Jimmy B, two hundred and forty days. Uh, I, I could sign up for a little golf right now in the Masters, <laughs> but we're gonna have to wait. Yeah. Tiger, he just he reinvigorated so much with that run, and going back oh. to the British, and then what he did yeah. on the weekend. You know, Saturday, Saturday. I said this earlier. It was a boring round watching Tiger play on Saturday. Par mm-hmm. after par after par. Just couldn't get the flat stick going. But what it turned into yesterday, that incredible run. This will not be remembered as Brooks Kepka winning his third major. This will be, I think, forever remembered for what we saw out of Tiger Woods at the PGA. 
I'm with you on that uh, because he set the tone. The crowds were absolutely unbelievable. The network ratings on round number three were up 60%. They were up 69% from yesterday's final round. And people are trying to say, at least in golf, well, he doesn't affect the ratings or the crowd. Yes, he does. He is a freaking rock star. Dude can't go anywhere. Brooks Kapka could walk down the middle of the street. Nobody would know who he was. Tiger, draw a crowd in a heartbeat. It was great theater. Great, great theater. We got a lot coming up here tomorrow on 1700 KBGG. It all begin starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller talk the world of sports with you over your lunch hour from noon until 2, and then on your drive home right here with Jimmy B and TC. Thanks, everybody out there, for listening in. Back at it tomorrow here on 1700 KBGG.